0: Welcome to the Ministry of the International Christian Assembly in Southeast Spain. We are here for the purpose of worshipping God and reaching others with love. We pray that as you listen, you will be inspired and challenged in your walk with God. Good morning, everyone. What a wonderful time the Lord has given to us. The week has been such a special week for Sheila and myself. Thank you for your invitation I think today is the cherry on the cake, and uh, I think that this morning, if you can think of this just for a moment, the only other time that we ever were at a sunrise service was in Ireland. Can you imagine what that was like? Rain, wind, grey, as we sought to sing and glorify the Lord. And then to be down there this morning, it was absolutely fantastic. Praise God. And this is the message, isn't it? Because he lives, we live also. And, you know, so many, it's interesting, so many of the modern plays, films, God spells, the books that people uh, write about Christ, they end at the cross. One of the great classics was a, a French book by, by Renan. And, and at the end of it, there's a picture of the cross with the Lord Jesus on it. And, and what, what a mockery that is of the gospel. This morning, the cross is empty. This morning, the tomb is empty. And this morning we worship a living, ascended, and coming Savior. Isn't that right? (laughs) Amen. (laughs) And uh, I love Luke 24, by the way, is my favorite chapter. I just, I'm sorry you had to stand so long. And then I thought to myself, well, you've got Luke 24, that's the blessing, and whatever I say is pretty irrelevant after that. So, is this working? Here I go again. Here I go again. How do I work this? Okay. We're, we're, no, listen, you just do it. You know I don't want to think about anything but the Lord. No, no, go, go back. Yeah. No, no, I'm not. Give us, give us the first one. 1 Corinthians 15, of course, is the great resurrection chapter in Scripture. And in 1 Corinthians 15 it tells us that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. And then it says this in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, if Christ isn't raised, your faith's in vain. If Christ isn't raised, my preaching's in vain. So here is something which is absolutely essential, central to the gospel message. And I'm going to say this again and again whenever we're going to the next slide. Whenever we look for evidence of the resurrection, I want to share with you for a moment a wee bit about my background. I was brought up in liberal Presbyterianism. In other words, we were brought up to believe that a Christian was someone who tried to follow the example of Christ. I was a Sunday school teacher. I did all kinds of things. Not a Christian. And I had lots of information, just like Raphael. I had loads of facts. And then I went to college, an Anglican college, to study theology, to teach religious education. But I was very left-wing Marxist, and and I led the college out in strike. I'd been part of the civil rights movement at home. And in that left-wing pattern, I saw that Jesus was a socialist. You know, really, for me, he had come to make man's lot better. And then I went to college, and the Lord put me in the same room as a Christian, He used to pray for me at the side of his bed, and I used to throw the pillow at him and say, you pray for yourself, and I'd pray for myself. (laughs) And the Lord gave me one or two Christian friends along the way. And then I was asked to write a paper on the resurrection, and he gave me two books. One was by Professor Norman Anderson, Evidence for the Resurrection, and the other one was a wonderful book called Who Moved the Stone? Anybody ever seen that? Frank Morrison, Frank Morrison was a journalist, a skeptic. He didn't believe, he was like, he really didn't believe a lot of what the scripture taught. And he went out to disproved the resurrection, and he went through all the theories about the body of Christ, how the disciples had stolen it. Joseph of Arimathea had taken it. He studied the fact of the swoon theory, which really used to be very popular, that Jesus wasn't really dead, but yet his side was pierced. The blood and the, the water comes out to prove that Jesus was dead. He goes through all these things, a tremendous book, and at the end of it, he becomes a believer. He studies the evidence And he comes to this great truth that Jesus bodily rose from the dead by the power of the Spirit. As he looked at the empty tomb, there was no other way. As he looked at the folded grave clothes, the Lord Jesus moving his body through the grave clothes. And remember the empty tomb, the stone was rolled away, not to let Jesus out, but to let us in. Isn't that right? Sometimes I think we forget about that. He didn't need need the stone rolled away. He needed the women to go in there and the disciples to go in there and see that he wasn't there because he was risen. And then in 1 Corinthians 15, it tells us that even at that time of Paul writing to the Christians in Corinth, there were still 500 people who had witnessed the risen Christ. You know, this wasn't, This wasn't an illusion. And then, of course, for me, I think one of the most powerful things that has affected me was the evidence of the disciples. How, How was it that this group who had deserted, forsaken, betrayed, denied, done all those things, who were hidden in the upper room, who'd locked the doors for fear of the Jews... All of a sudden, within a very short time, after Pentecost, from disillusioned, they became a militant army, spiritual army. They they were out on the streets, they were preaching in the temples and the synagogues, they were suffering persecution, jail, martyrdom. They were accused of turning the world upside down, but in actual fact, what they were doing is turning the world right side up. How was it that these fearful, cowardly, weak individuals, because they witnessed the risen Savior, because they received that promise at the end of Luke 24 on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit came? And for me, this is really where it comes down to, and I want to say this to you. I was in my 20s. I was in Africa. I was a volunteer teacher. And my life was a mess. That, that's a tremendous little video. Empty, empty, empty. And you know, you spend your life trying to fill your life with all kinds of things. Just put in pleasure, you know. You, you put in your relationships. You put in, you know, whatever, alcohol or drugs or, you know, making money or whatever it is. And you're trying to fill this gap that only God can fill and you don't realize it. And sometimes the Lord has to bring you right to the bottom before you look up. And he does that very often in your life. The Lord hits you, put you on your back to get you to look up. At the age of 22, I found an old Bible. I'd studied the Bible to pass exams, to be a qualified teacher of religious education. And then I found this old, I didn't even have a Bible in Africa. I found one in the school. I started to read Luke's gospel and I read it on my knees. That's how you read the Bible. Standing up is good. That's reverence for the word of God. But I'll tell you in your heart, we need to be down there ready to listen. And suddenly in that moment, what happened was it changed from information to transformation. And suddenly for the first time, it was as if the Lord was speaking to me. Use the word personal. I think that's a tremendous. Who was it who said the Lord is my shepherd? The the importance of the personal pronoun, the Lord is my shepherd. And in that moment of time, Sometimes I think, and stay with me here, conversion may happen over a long period of time, but the new birth happens like that. And instantaneously, whenever the Holy Spirit comes and opens your eyes and opens your heart, and if you look at 24, Luke 24 is really, I love this, it's just, it's just a book about been opened. The first thing is the open tomb, that's in the first few verses. The next thing comes whenever he comes to Emmaus, And he's reading to them. And he well, he opens the scriptures to them in verse 20, in verse 32. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. He opened their hearts, he said to them, You're slow of heart. And he began, what a Bible study. Here is Jesus on a road walking along. He begins with Moses, all the prophets. Why? Wow, I would love to have heard that sermon. Every single prophecy, the Lord Jesus begins to unveil. And can you just see them as he opens the scriptures, he opens their hearts. A little later on with the disciples, in verse 45, he says he opened their minds. And then at the end, he opens heaven and he goes home. That's how we need today this Easter Sunday to have open minds and open hearts as we open the scriptures and have that assurance that the Lord Jesus, the miracle of the Lord Jesus today for you is that Jesus has risen out of the grave, but he now lives in my heart. Christ in me, the hope. Of glory. The most important thing today is not that we have information, not even that we have which we have enjoyed the singing and the fellowship and the food and the adoration and listened to the testimonies. But what's important at the end of this service today is that you would have experienced that exact same transformation. That the Word of God, perhaps you've been brought up in a Christian home or a Christian church. I didn't have that. I didn't have that particular privilege. Perhaps that's you and all your life you've been fed this information, truths, but it has never truly transformed your life. It's never truly turned you upside down. We need to be turned upside down or right side up before we can turn the world upside down or right side up. And we need to come to that point. It's a, it's, it's, it may be a period of time when God has been speaking and moving. Maybe, dear friend, you've made a commitment to Christ. Maybe you've come to Christ and experienced Christ. But you know, over the years, something has happened. Coldness. The motivation has gone. The commitment has waned. We need to meet afresh this Easter. With the living Christ. Billy Graham was once asked if a man came up to him in the street and said to him that he'd just been raised from the dead, what would he he say to him? What would he think? And Billy Graham says, well, it depends on who that man was. You see, Raphael shared something this week with me that I think is really tremendous. What is the most important verse in the Bible? Genesis 1 verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens. You see, if you believe God is God, then it doesn't matter. Seven days, it could be seven seconds. Not simply trying to fit what the world thinks into theistic evolution, periods of time. If God is God, God can do anything, and He does everything that He wants to do. God is a God who works all things according to the counsel of His will. That's what Ephesians 1 says, and and in, in verse 19 of Ephesians 1, in that same passage, He says, yes, God is a God who works all things according to the counsel of His will, and the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is working in you if you're a believer. You see, this morning, think about that. The same power, the Holy Spirit that brought Jesus from death to life is working in the life of every single Christian. Is anything too hard for the Lord? No. If God put something on your heart, God put something in your heart. Will it happen? Yes. You know, I've learned more and more as I get older. I tell you this, the weaker I feel, the better it is. And as I get older, the weaker I feel. But you know what? I'll tell you this, young folks. It's only a... And here's the great part. The best is yet to come. Isn't that tremendous? It actually... Only, I see people getting older and they get... I know pains and aches and all those illnesses. It's terrible. Yeah. Moni, Sheila can tell you. I'm a bad patient. But you know, honestly, we have to get to that stage of saying, dear friends, the best is yet to come. One day, either Jesus will return on the clouds with the angels, or one day, heaven will open and Jesus will call us home. What a day. Glorious day that will be. You know, I was listening during communion and I started listening to the hymn that was being played and I hadn't heard it for maybe 30 years. The last time I heard it was in the United States, in the great state of Texas. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace grace that is greater than all my sin. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. I don't know who you are today. I don't know where you are today. I honestly can say this with with all my heart. It, It doesn't matter what you've done, who you've been, who you are. God's grace the grace that saved John Newton, who was a slave trader. Here he is on a ship. He's lived a profligate. He's lived the most life of debauchery, sexually, out of every sin, selling men and women for money. And he remembered something his mother, his godly mother, had said. And there, in the middle of a storm off the coast of Donegal, he gets saved. God's amazing grace doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter, Christian, how low you've fallen, how cold you've become. God can heat you up. He can take the, the frozen child of God and just pour in that. Isn't that a wonderful thought, the amazed travelers? Didn't our hearts burn within us? When well, he walked with us and talked with us, what do I need? I want every day. I want the Lord to speak to me in such a way that my heart is burning. We're coming to the end and the experience of Christians down through the ages. Peter, just take old Peter. And here he is, he's writing his letter. He crucified upside down, not even worthy to be crucified the same way as Jesus. Peter says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. What? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance, the best is yet to come, that can never spoil, fear or perish, kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power though for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, these have come so that your faith, more precious than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may redound to praise and honor and glory when Jesus Christ is is revealed. Though you haven't seen him, you love him, though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious Joy, joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's the experience of the resurrected Christ. It's not the doctrine, it's the experience. We need the doctrine. But oh dear friends, we need to experience every day the resurrected Christ. Just go back and we'll maybe just finish those verses off. I think I've got Colossians chapter one in there. Verse 27, which I quoted earlier, Christ in you. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. What is the mystery? Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, we went from Gethsemane, God's will being done in the Lord Jesus. Thy, thy will, nevertheless, not mine, but your will be done. Gabbatha, Pilate, and humanity are in trial and they failed. Batha, Golgotha, the third G, Jesus made sin, bore our sins, redeemed us, and then the garden. Well all those all those Gs are ultimately about getting us to glory. His kingdom when he said to his disciples, you believe in God, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Hallelujah. He's in the glory. He's at the right hand of the majesty on high. He's seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. The only time I think in scripture, the Lord Jesus stands is to receive Stephen home." When Stephen, the the first Christian martyr, was killed, it says that, and he saw Jesus standing, was not tremendous, ready to welcome Stephen home, but the Lord Jesus is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high, and he's waiting, preparing to take us home to glory. Are we ready? Are you ready? Are you where you need to be spiritually today? This Easter Sunday gives you such an opportunity, just right now, Let's bow our heads. Lord, we're going to take a moment together today at the end of a great week when we have experienced so much of your blessing to thank you for grace, mercy, your love, your unlimited, unconditional love. Thank you, Lord, for surrounding us with your arms, loving arms. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that has again just opened a little bit more of your great work of salvation. But in these moments, Lord, help us just for a moment of honesty to look at where we are in our relationship to you. Would your Holy Spirit take your word and just now use it to pierce into those areas of our lives that are still dark, needing light, loveless, needing love, Where there's guilt, may there be now forgiveness, your peace. Help us, Lord, to take time not to leave this place simply having enjoyed this morning, but help us to experience this morning for each and every one of us, young and old, that our lives might be lived to the glory of God. That, Lord Jesus, when we see you face to face, we will hear you saying to us, Well done, good and faithful servant. May this be so. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Ministry of the International Christian Assembly, a ministry of AMG Spain and AMG International. For more information, please visit our website at www.icatoravieja.com. This audio file is not copyrighted.